Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This finally is the Masters preview. It is the 9th of November. If you told me that at the beginning of the year, we'd be previewing the Masters in November, I'd have been pretty confused. But here we are. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by, as ever for the majors, well, we try to get them both on when we can, um, two expert guests. We've got Odds Checker's very own tipster, Niall Lyons. Nice wave from Niall there. Good for the video viewers, not for the podcast listeners. And uh, and Dylan Byrne from the 15th Club as well. Cheers, Dylan, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. It feels like it's been a long time coming, but we're nearly yeah. there. Exactly. Well, normally when we try and do these, we try and, you know, you guys both fly over from Ireland and, and from the Northern Ireland and we try and fit a round of golf in somewhere. This time we're doing it over Skype. Even if we wanted to play golf, we're not allowed to. I think it's fair to say that everybody who likes golf, likes watching golf, likes playing golf, needs this. We need this weekend of our golfing fix. And I am incredibly excited that we're going to be able to settle in for a weekend at Augusta, even if it won't be quite as beautiful as it is in spring. But that's kind of where where we're going to start here. And Niall, I'll come to you first, is that this is Augusta as we know it, but this is also Augusta as as we don't know it. There won't be, you know, the, the crowds that we're used to maybe the pressure that's going to be probably a cooler climate. They're going to be playing earlier in the day because of both the light and also the college football that's going on, which means that Saturday and Sunday's rounds will finish earlier. How do you kind of put all of that stuff into your thinking about this? Or are you just treating it as as a, a normal Masters, a regulation, Augusta, four days? In terms of the course, I don't think it'll play too much different than what it does in April. I would say it'd be slightly softer, inevitably, just because of the the climate this time of year although the weather recently has been quite good in georgia although it's due to turn this week and we'll probably see a fair bit of rain uh, throughout the first part of the week anyway but i think the course will play slightly softer than usual which means it'll play slightly longer it always plays as a long course anyway uh, especially with the way that the fairways are mowing from the from the green to the tee so it's even a longer golf course than what the yardage suggests uh, but other than that, as you say, you know, it's a different time of year. We won't see as much colour as what we usually do. Uh, the no fans thing is, is quite interesting. We talked about that. Patrons, you should say, shouldn't we? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, we have to say that. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it actually in the British Masters, the first podcast we did back a few months ago when, when the golf returned, whether there would be, you know, a bias towards guys, you know, not performed too well under pressure and, and found it hard to get over the line. And there's been a few now that, that have gotten over the line, most notably Coke Rack, I would say, a few weeks ago, who's always found trouble in, in winning. And now, you know, he, he gets over the line when there's no fans there. It'll be a strange atmosphere, I would say. You know, uh, you know, you look at the 13th, the 12th and 13th, for example, there's not that, on the tee, yes, there's, there's, plen- there's plenty of patrons on the 12th tee, but when you get up to the green, it's quite eerily quiet, isn't it? And, and even even the thirteenth green's the same throughout the whole thirteenth hole. Like you know, the noise that you hear from the crowds always, you know, from a long distance away. So I don't think those play those holes will play any different really, and it'll, it'll be more or less the same. But it's different, as you say. But I, I don't think it'll play too much different than what we normally see in April. 
Yeah, certainly maybe 15, 16, the two you maybe associate with kind of the bigger galleries behind the green, possibly. But, you know, maybe that eeriness will also play into um, different kind of nerves. Um, Dylan, for, for those who haven't listened to, to the podcast before or haven't heard your stuff, can you, can you br- briefly explain what the 15th Club do and what your role is as well? Yeah, so um, we kind of use, I suppose in summary, we use data in golf to do whatever we need to do. So that can, <laughs> that can be anything from working directly with players to help them strategize around the course, you know, of course, like Augusta or wherever, um, helping them maybe pick their schedules or work on their strengths and weaknesses to things like working with the Ryder Cup team to help make decisions around that. So like picks and pairings and everything else that goes along with it um, yeah we're working some media stuff so you'll probably see some of our stuff on Sky Sports this week so when you're watching that um, <laughs> and yeah so we kind of we basically use data and golf to um, to kind of answer questions and you know try to find some objective answers really um, but that, that's that leads me into it because we are going to ask you to find us some answers around this weekend using the data and I guess kind of the same question to you as to as to as opposed to Niall, in terms of, you know, in your research, in the work that you're doing, are you making any changes to account for the different circumstances that we find ourselves in going into the weekend? Not really, no. No, we probably would if we could. Um, But because there's, you know, as I said, it's kind of an unknown. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we've had a look at some of like the weather forecasts and the average temperatures and different things like that. And, it broadly seems, you know, quite similar. I think that was part of the reason it is this time of year is that they tried to get a time of year that was um, obviously suited, but it was as similar as possible to the the normal kind of time as well. But um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I saw is similar to what Niall said, it might be a little bit softer and play a small little bit longer um, than it normally would. But beyond that, it's hard to uh, it's hard to kind of get any definitive answers because, yeah, like I said, there's just nothing to base it on really. You're a good follow on Twitter, I must say, for any golf fan. And the last kind of day or so, you posted some very interesting kind of graphs and, and kind of data-based, well, data-based graphs, effectively. I don't know if there are any other kind of graph. But um, it's, uh, and I guess it was kind of not, not myth-busting, but in a way, looking at some of the common narratives around the Masters, such as, you know, you want somebody who's got good form there or you want somebody who's played there X amount of times and stuff. And it was interesting to note that there maybe isn't as much of a correlation on that kind of stuff as people would think. So can you kind of talk us through what you found looking at more kind of more general Masters trends? Yeah, so probably I would say the most interesting one uh, in terms of like mid-posting maybe is the course history one. Um, so I, I sort of assume like most courses it's overplayed a little bit, but people, you know, generally think if you play well at Augusta previously, you'll play well again. Uh, and there's obviously players who, you know, Tiger, Speeds, Fred Couples, there's, you know, the the old classics that everyone kind of seems to think will will always play well there. Um, so there is, I mean, there is a certain amount of effect, but it's very, very small. You know, somebody somebody like Speed who has overperformed by, um, I think, about two strokes on average. So he's basically played, in every round he's played, he's he's been two strokes better than, like, a model would suggest he should be. Uh, so for somebody like that who has historically been incredibly good, that translates to like about 10%. Um, so he might be expected to, to be like 0.2 strokes better than average going forward. So there's very little kind of carryover in terms of what he's done. Um, 
so there's that then there's I think yeah obviously haven't played there before so the the thing about you know rookies struggling there and getting to know your way around that does seem to have an effect as well but it's it's maybe not huge it's kind of in a similar order so it would be I think it's like minus 0.23 strokes so for somebody like Marikawa basically it's probably going to cost him about a stroke over the course of a week um, and then on the flip side if you played there I think it peaks at around 40 rounds or 41 rounds so right around where DJ and Rory are at the minute um, so Rory's 43 I think you said didn't you yeah so that'll be he's actually going to gain about the same so relative to their expectation Rory's probably going to pick up a couple of shots on Marikawa just based on the experience of the course really so that's kind of yeah they're two of the findings and then the other one uh, probably the other interesting one was um our own driving distance so obviously it's pretty topical at the minute um but yeah like yeah, a player's ability and a player's driving distance does seem to have a, a positive effect on their um you know their expected score on augusta so there's obviously the benefit of hitting it long gains you strokes on the field but this seems to be an added bonus on top of that that it gains you more than it would on average let's say so yeah it should be interesting to see how that plays out so you want to basically find somebody who's not necessarily a rookie who's played there a few times and hits the ball <laughs> long if only there are a few golfers who fit into that category you're pretty much talking about like the top 20 in the market there i think but one possibly in particular who i think we're about to discuss with niall in a second but before we get into the picks just going to point all the listeners and all the viewers in the direction of the odds checker app it's the very best place to find all the best prices the best bookie offers the best place terms which is essential for the masters looking right now you've got everything ranging from i think a fifth in six places to a fifth and 11 places across our bookmaker partners. So important to do that. <clears throat> and of course, the best tipsters across sport, including Niall. And Niall, you put your tips, your 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 column went live this morning. And there's a f- five, we'll get into the others soon, but there's a five point headline tip. Those who are watching may have seen a sign over your shoulder, which may be a bit of a giveaway, but... <laughs> at, eight to, at, at best price, eight to one, Bryson DeChambeau, the nap. Yeah, and I'm happy to go win only as well, just because there's a possibility that it's, that it's winner bust with mm. Bryson in terms of Augusta this time around. But there's no, as I wrote in the, in the preview, there's no value in the price. You know what I mean? I'm I'm backing and tipping him on the, on the basis that I think he's the most likely winner. And not only that, he has the potential to dominate the week which I don't think many others you know I don't think the difference between uh, you know DJ's best and Ram's best at the minute is I think I think there's a there's a there's a fair gap between Bryson's best and their best at the minute well, that's not to say that Bryson will produce his best or even needs to to be fair this week but nevertheless everything points towards a massive performance uh, the price is short, but I think what he can gain off the tee is one big talking point. Obviously, he can fly lines that you know some others may not be able to. But in terms of approaching the green, and we've talked about this over the last couple of years, previewing the Masters, that, it, that it's, it's a very important stat, approaching the green and not missing too many greens, you know, greens and regulation. I think if he drives the ball well, which gives him so much of an advantage on the field as it is, 
that when he hits those fairways, the opportunities are, there's just going to be so many opportunities, even on the tough par fours. Uh, the, the slight worry for me would be the par threes because, you know, he's he's basically you know he's a, he's a, it's the same level, it's the same playing field basically. When he when he tees it up in the par three, he doesn't have any much of a length advantage anyway. Maybe going in with with a shorter club, but it's not that big of a deal. I think his ball flight is hugely important as well. He hits it so high, uh, the the distance, the apex stats that I've been looking at. I think he, he ranked uh, where did he rank in that stat? Very uh, pretty well, I guess. <laughs> second last second last season in twenty twenty, and second in power four scoring as well. This is another stat I'm looking to. So uh, yeah. Everything points towards a huge performance for me, and there's just not many negatives. Uh, he puts quite well these days, and you know people are saying that you know he could struggle on the greens, but you know we've seen so many uh, average putters really win this event down the years. You know it's not a huge, uh, it's not it's not of huge importance to me. And plus, I've seen it with my own eyes that uh, he's a very very decent putter around the, these times. And even in the 2020 season, he finished first in uh, putting from five to ten feet, which is huge around Augusta, keeping the scores going on the par fives, holding them seven, eight foot birdie putts that you'll be left in some of the par fives and obviously the occasional par putts. So there's just not many negatives for me. And although the price may not excite many, uh, he's, he's, he's the one for me. And, uh, you know, we've seen it at the US Open uh, a month or two ago that, his approach was under extreme scrutiny before going, and again, there's there's a fair amount of negativity regarding what what he's going to do. And as I wrote in the preview too, there will be a tipping point at some stage for the for the length conversation in the game, in which something has to be done, whether it's the club's ball or course design. There will come a tipping point, and this is most likely to be the week where it happens. I mean, for those who've been kind of living under a rock with, with Bryson DeChambeau and, and only come out for the Masters, you know he won, he won the U.S. Open. He's won. He's obviously been brilliant since he he bulked up and put the put the muscle on. There's talk about him <clears throat> in terms of his practice rounds and stuff, hitting you know knocking three woods over the back of 400 yard par fours, hitting you know having wedges into 15 and and into 13 as well. I mean. It, 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 you say it's not all about the price, but is there a chance that if he is going to blitz the course like that, then actually eight to one's a massive price because if, because he could be a lot shorter than that if if he can, you know, if, if this the stroke advantage he gains from those kind of distances has that big an impact? Yeah, there's there's part of that in the reason that I'm backing him because you know the capability is there to win the event quite comfortably, which you might say all them favourites have the capability of winning that, but right now. His best is, you know, not equivalent to Tiger's best back in the day, but, you know, T- Tiger had the ability to go and win an event by five or six shots. Yeah. Bryson done that at the US Open. And there's arguably even more of an advantage here at Augusta. Well, that's my view on how it could potentially play out. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's, part of the, it's part of the story, yes, that there would be a readdress of his price should he start well. But, you know, he... he Birdies, you know, the, the par five second on day one. Maybe even birdies the first. You know, he goes a couple under through a handful of holes, and you know, you're talking seven to two, four to one already. And yeah. then, 
Yeah, and there, there, there's the option to look at other markets too, where you know some some bookmakers will price them up to win by two, three, four plus shots, or the lead after the first round and win the event, or lead after every round. It's 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 one. He's possibly the only one in the field I think this week that could do something like that, and mm. it's worth probably looking at. At Odds Checker, compare the odds from major bookmakers, get expert tips, and place your bets all in one place. Odds Checker, the one-stop betting hub. Download the app now. Play responsibly. Dylan, I'm going to ask you in a second what you make of Bryson before we ask you for your for your best bet. But just, I mean, it, it was a, a thought of mine, and, and the reason why you're backing him win only not is that there is this chance that he could do something spectacular. And I, so I had a look at the first round leader market, and he's, he's doubled the price, sixteen to one. And you have to think that if if the reasoning behind this is that he could be X amount of shots better than the field because of the what he's gaining, that could be another way to play it, where you're hoping that that margin of of superiority plays out immediately. Um, yeah, exactly, I don't disagree with that at all. And even when when he was an amateur, I think he was six under three seventeen holes or something on his first appearance there, and he was set to be the first round yeah. leader that day as well, and made a, a, a complete games of the, of the eighteenth that, that day. So and he was, I think that. he was T one after round one in two thousand and nineteen as well, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. which, which I watched at fifteenth Club HQ with a few free beers. Good lads they are. But um, Dylan, coming to you now. Um, yeah, before we ask you what you for your kind of headline tip for the weekend, what have you got to say? I mean, we're not even going to even know a right of reply here, so you can say whatever you like. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit, a bit nervous about the negative comments from in on Bryson. I've quite a different opinion on it. Um, for me, I actually don't see, and I, I've spent quite a bit of time looking at this over the last week or so. I, I don't see how we really should be favoured based on what we've seen, uh, which is going to be a controversial opinion, I think. But <laughs> For those listening and not watching, Niall's face is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, so for me, like, fundamentally, and, and probably something that, you know, because of the, the way I look at it in terms of, like, purity, based on kind of things that I can back up in terms of numbers, um, Probably what get lost gets lost a lot in, in majors is people look for other angles in terms of you know some of the stuff I talked about, so like course history and um you know how many times they played a course or whatever. And fundamentally what gets lost sometimes is how good a player is um and how good, you know, based on what we've seen from them. So now I don't know what's going on with Bryson right now, like this week at Augusta, and I don't know what he's been doing the last few weeks, obviously, but Based on what we've seen from him uh, over the last couple of years and the last since the restart, he's just not he's not the best player in the world. Um, he's barely in the top five since the restart, you know, and that's <laughs> that's counting in uh, you know an exceptional performance at the U.S. Open, but we see exceptional performances semi regularly. You know that happens, um, and for me, like Justin Johnson is the best player in the world. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't disagree with that in the slightest, but I do think that his best is better than other people's, uh, the other golfers' best at the minute. I mean, obviously they're not going to produce it every week, neither is Bryson, but I do think his best is better than, better than the rest at the minute. Oh yeah, yeah. If he plays out of his skin, but I mean, I, I wouldn't back him based on that. I wouldn't back him based on his best being better than everyone else because DJ over the past however many ten years. There's probably an argument that his best is better than everybody else. And given the form that he's in, if you look at some of the performances DJ put up, like that one in WGC, I think it was Mexico maybe last year. 
where he threw away an incredibly strong field. Like that's that's a you know that's as good a performance as I've seen. And it's there, I actually haven't looked at the like the who's whose peak is better right now, but um, yeah, I mean in terms of just, oh, I, I agree with you that it's close anyway. Like between the two at the minute, you know, DJ's playing out of his skin. To be fair, I'll probably be having a few quid in him as a saver anyway. But yeah, yeah. So but but for me. Yeah, for me, DJ, I, I would have DJ as, as actually a pretty clear favourite this week. Um, and it, like, you know, last Friday I was looking at the prices, DJ was 12 to 1, Bryson was like 8 to 1. And for me, I would have actually been flipping those prices. Um, and that's, yeah, I'm actually going a little bit better on DJ you now after his performances this week or, you know, this week gone. So, yeah, for me, like, in terms of Bryson specifically, he will get an advantage through, you know, there's no question that uh, I touched on already, the distance is more of an advantage at Augusta than it is around other courses. But there's maybe a little bit as well, you know, I had a look at what that actually means. So, you know, if you're DJ and you're on a par five and you're hitting a 340 yard drive and you're leaving, let's say, 200 yards to the pin um, and then Bryson goes and hits a three, let's say 370, 380 drive, and he's leaving 160. The steepness of the curve at that, you know, in terms of strokes to the hole, in those difference, you know, in the 40-yard the difference there is not actually that high because you're not in a range where if it was the difference between having 20 yards and 60 yards, it's a much bigger gap than 160 to 200 because it just doesn't dip that much. So, like, it might be... Let's say, I think it's the long par fours though that could make a difference in that regard. To be honest, I think no, 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 not so much. No, because you, he'd have to be gaining a huge amount to, for him to, because because he's gaining like a stroke and a half off the tee, and that's contributing massively to the fact that he's fifth best in the world. Unless we're double counting that value, um, if that makes sense, like unless you're going to significantly gain more than that. He's not actually getting better, if that makes sense. He he needs to do that to maintain his level at the fifth at fifth in the world. Whereas for him to go from his previous performances recently, where he's fifth, for him to jump up to first or second, that distance would need to be worth probably twice what it is on other courses, which I just don't think it is at the Masters. Yeah, you're saying fifth in the world, but you know he's only been doing this for you know seven or eight months. And not even really consistently yet. There's a possibility that you, you could go mega consistent from here on. Yeah, I think is the is the referee here. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to step in at some stage because <laughs> we, we can't we can't talk about Bryson for the whole podcast. We're already half an hour, uh, half an hour through. Um, but that's what I said. Then I'm gonna you guys can take it up with each other um, off air afterwards. And if anybody wants to kind of um, ask either of these guys um, some more questions about Bryson or any other matters I'm sure if you tweet them they'll be quick to get back to you sorry to uh, to drop you in that one but uh, but Dylan so who I mean you mentioned DJ there before I ask you I'll just run through the prices because DJ is now second favorite he's been clipped into nine to one now after his decent performance in Houston over the weekend John Rahm is 11 to one Justin Thomas is 12 to one Rory McIlroy 14 to one uh, Zander Shoffley 14 to one Brooks Kepka, 16 to 1. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, 25. Patrick Reed, 28. Till Hatton, 28. And then two players in Hideki Matsuyama and Tony Finau that Nile has put in his column as well. Next up at 30s and 33s. Bubba Watson and Colin Morikawa, the same price. Have I mentioned your best bet? Dylan, is he in there or is it someone further down? Um, 
I'm still going to say best bet for the week is actually DJ. Um, even at the price, I think, what is he now? Is he 9 to 1, 10 9 to 1, yeah. Yeah, I think 9 to 1, if you can get 10 or 11 places in that, yeah, I still think there's there's very decent value in that. Um, I think Shelfly as well, actually, is probably somebody that's, because there's so much talk about, you know, a few others, I think he's, as he tends to do for some reason, you know, he he's flying under the radar a little bit. So I think 14s or, or whatever it is there, um, 10 places on him. I think I've got him about 12 to 1 priced up at. So, um, yeah, I think one of those two, definitely at the top end, they'd be the, the top two picks for me. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Like, I think the whole... Not to go back into the pricing thing, but I think it's going to be fascinating. Like I, I really can't wait to see how it plays out. But um, yeah, in terms of picks, I think I think number one would still be DJ for me. Yeah, DJ nine to one, Zander fourteen to one. I mean, it's interesting that you mention. We'll come back to talking about Ram Thomas and McElroy, but you mentioned somebody kind of coming in quietly and how that's kind of always shuffled his way. It feels to me like the person who seems to be a little bit under the radar this year is is Brooks Kepka, who you know, for about three years was basically anybody who, um, you know, anybody betting in majors would tell you that his, you know, his major record was so good. Um, and, you know, the the consistency of his golf away, I mean, we've spoken before on this, Dylan, and you basically said that his, well, his level of golf throughout the year doesn't put him near his place in the market normally for majors. But then that isn't necessary to say that he's not value when it comes to this. He, he comes off the back of a decent weekend in Houston, there's an interesting dynamic in terms of his relationship with Bryson DeChambeau as well that I think could be quite lively over the weekend. Um, Niall, I'll ask you what you think of Brooks because, as you can probably tell, he's the player that I've packed uh, so far. So this is your chance to tell me where I've gone wrong. Uh, it's a tough one to judge. Obviously, down the years, we've, we've had the same conversation around plenty of major championships, I would say. It wouldn't be for me simply because I don't think I know he pl- played very well last year, but I don't think Augusta plays to his strengths as well as other Open Championship venues would. Uh, U.S. Open Championship venue would play to his strength. Just don't think he gains that much of an advantage over his, you know, o- over the over the other five or six around him in the market that makes him such a bad at these places. It's different when you're going to a tough U.S. Open where, you know the way he scores can just, you know, obliterate a field. But I don't see that happening at Augusta. And he, he played well last week, which is a huge positive. But uh, I think he was 20, 29th, just inside the top 30 in the in the PGA and then didn't play the US Open. It's just, I don't think it's just... But yeah, he, he had a shot in Sunday, didn't he, in the US PGA. He was up in the top five and then shot like an 80 on the on the Sunday. Yeah, um, which can be forgiven because it's only one round, you know. But, yeah. Uh, I just don't think the preparation's been ideal all year, and he hasn't convinced me that he's in the sort of form that, that'll win a major championship. Good, that's me told. Um, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, and Rory McIlroy. Dylan, let's come to you first on those three. Take your pick. Um, you know, Rahm, a popular one, looking to get his first major. Justin Thomas, somebody whose who's Augusta record isn't great. And then Rory McIlroy, somebody who we can expect to probably be there or thereabouts, but come Sunday, who knows? Yeah, um, yeah. So like for for my kind of prices this year, I've incorporated a couple of things in terms of the what I talked about the the course fit and the um, the amount of times they've actually played there before. Uh, and yeah, adding those in of those those three are 
at the top end, obviously, and JT is the is the shortest price for me of those three. Um, yeah, I mean the course, everybody knows the the approach plays is always key around Augusta, um, and he's year in year out he's you know topping or in the top two or three in that stat. So um, I think the fact that he maybe hasn't played all that well there before isn't like I said earlier. It's not a huge concern because I I wouldn't really give too much weight to previous performance be it really good previous performance or really bad previous performance so yeah for me the kind of the ranking of those three is uh, JT first then Rory then John Ram um, and I think the main reason for Rory being ahead of John Ram is probably the experience thing um, because Ram doesn't have that many rounds there he's probably still on the kind of upward part of that curve whereas Rory's right at the top of it so um, I don't think there's much between those. Rams actually probably slightly better in terms of performance, but I think just specifically at Augusta, Rory's probably a slightly better player at the minute. Anything to add or counter that with now? Yeah, Ram would have been my third third on the market, third favourite to be fair. I think he, he's played well at Augusta over the last couple of years and seems to be getting better at it. Uh, maybe just not quite ready or, or something. To win. I, mean, like I was disappointed with some of his uh, efforts earlier in the year, and you know he's obviously had some unbelievable performances too, which could happen. But I think maybe he could suit a tougher layout. If anything, who knows? It could be this week that it plays really tough. As you say, it's a bit of an unknown. But like I, th- I quite think I think Rory McIlroy is coming in slightly under the radar, and it'll probably suit him. Uh, you know, every year there's been talk about the Grand Slam, whether he, whether he's going to. He, Get the green jacket, and there just hasn't been as much coverage around that lately. Uh, and what you mentioned at the, at the at the start of the podcast there about uh, the the rounds finishing early on Saturday and Sunday, uh, not quite under the same amount of heat and pressure. It could there could be slight uh, variances there. You know when you when you look to Sunday evening where where he hasn't really performed in the past, it could be different this year. I think what's key. For him is to get off to a fast start, and maybe if he does get off to a fast start, he's he's one to maybe look at in the market. Uh, I think at, at the Masters you always need a fast start. It's not really a course where you can make up a lot of ground. You want to be towards the top of the leaderboard at the very start, and when McIlroy does that and he's at at the top, you know he seems to usually go well from there. It's interesting that you mentioned about the career slam because although I wouldn't normally back Rory at 14s. I backed him for sports personality of the year at hundreds, thinking that if he wins this, you know, he's no way he's a five to one shot to win Spotty. So there you go. That's a nice. There's, um, not, that many, there's not that many runners in that apart. No. From, so you could be onto something there. There you go. I mean, I don't think, I won't say who I backed with because they won't be thanking me, but I think that might be a bit of an old price. But um, now your other tips, you know, anybody who listening, who's listening, I recommend should read um, Niall's write up, even if, you, know, you want to make your own selections. It's still full of kind of wisdom in there to help you make your picks. I mentioned Tony Finau and Hideki Matsuyama, who, who are the next two, and then Cameron Smith and, and Jason Kokrak as well. So why don't you just talk us through the thinking behind those those four to supplement Bryson? Yeah, I really like Finau, especially for an each way bet. I think he's probably the best each way bet in the field uh, with the place terms available. Uh, last season finished 14th in par four scoring. 21st in the distance of the APAC stat that I've been looking at. And his record in major championships is just absolutely phenomenal. This year, 4th at the PGA and 8th at the US Open. So that's 8 top 10s in 17 major starts. 
That's mm. an unbelievable record. Three missed cuts in there. Uh, and he's been so consistent lately over the last couple of months. Burley, I'd say, the top 20. Uh, and I just, think, I just think it's a matter of time before he realises that potential. You know, people get caught up and, you know, get caught up in not getting over the line in a couple of events. But he's far from a bottler. He hasn't shown that yet anyway. Uh, and he's lost in a playoff, obviously, in the WGC. Four top tens in the last six majors is uh, right up there with the best in the game. So uh, around the 33 to 1 mark, or 30 to 35 to 1, I think he's a crack in each way bet. Uh, I'll just run through the other two. I was impressed by Hideki Matsuyama last week at uh, Houston. And I've kind of been impressed with him over the last couple of months. As I, as I stated in the preview, I've always been scratching my head at, at the prices he's been going off. I don't think... Uh, you know, his golf has really warranted those kind of prices. And he stayed around that price every single year for every single mm. year, practically no matter what his form. And he hasn't won in, in over three years. Uh, but he sits well in the stats that I've been looking at. And he was 22nd in the PGA and 17th at the US Open. There's two top 25s there in the last two majors, a positive saying going into the next one. Uh, one thing worth noting, maybe, you know, the media circus that travels around with him, uh, Golfers from the Far East are uh, plagued with that wherever they go. So I suspect that'll be a lot less than what it usually is at the Masters Forum. So he might find a slight bit of peace, and you never know, it could be the difference. He gained over four strokes putting last week, wow. which is massive for Matt <laughs> and, and, his, and his game around the greens has been improving over the last couple of months. There's been a couple of super performances in there, which is not really like him. So I think there's a lot of positives. He stopped that pause in the back backswing where he, you know, he pauses at the very top. It's it's a lot quicker transition now into the downswing, and I, I really like his chances this week. Uh, obviously, you need to put well again. Um, then two uh, outsiders, one Cameron Smith. I think he his credentials are great. Doesn't quite hit the stats that I would like to this week, but you know he's inside his top fifty in the world. He's found something recently. Uh, 11th at the CJ Cup and 4th at the Zozo uh, are two very good performances lately. And that's after, you know, kind of going off the boil slightly after winning the Sony earlier on in the year. But he's, he's won eight events in the trot with positive strokes gained approaching the greens, uh, which is a big positive for Augusta. Uh, I was impressed by the way he won at Sony as well, that I think if he gets into the mix this week, I think he could show, show a lot more than what people might expect. He was in trouble there in the 72nd hole at the Sony. He hit it left of the green, ended up in the tree, had to get a drop, and he got up and down from about 20 yards left of the green hole, about a 10-footer for a par to get into the playoff, and then won the playoff quite impressively. I think he's a decent each-way bet. Two top fives in major championships before as well, one of them being here at Augusta. So there's not many negatives there for Cam Smith. And finally, uh, Jason Kokrak, uh, a debutante who... Uh, it's an interesting conversation whether the debut, I would say uh, the debutants this year will have a, as big a chance as ever to break that duck you know, that, that everyone always talks about. The, the debutant contingent is absolutely super this year, uh, headed by Mari Cabo, of course. Uh, but Coke Crack obviously won recently. And then he, he actually finished top 20 in his last start, losing over, I think it was four and a half strokes approaching the green, which is wow. unbelievable that it, that he still finished in the top 20. And he finished in the top 20 in the US Open, previous to going and winning the, the CJ Cup. I think he has the length off the tee, and he has the ball flight. Uh, 
and he, he, you know he's quite tidy all round game that you know if he goes well he just might surpass uh, some expectations that you know he's never really got into that position before but you know he held off Sander quite impressively there at the CJ Cup and you know if he gets in or around the, the top of the leaderboard at any stage of the week he, he could be a runner. So there you have Niles next four. Just to repeat, you've got uh, Hideki Matsuyama, best price 30 to one. Now these have all come in a bit since Niles' preview went live. Um, Tony Fee now 33 to one. That's with Bet Victor, only six places. If you want a few more places, Paddy's and Betfair are both 28 to one. Skybet 25, they're 10 places and 11 places. Uh, Cameron Smith is 80 to one with a few firms, as short as 50s elsewhere. Uh, Jason Kokrak, 90 to 1 with a V-bet is the best price you're getting for him. I reckon when most people have a flutter, they use the same old bookies every time. But how do you know if you're getting good odds? Odds Checker, that's how. At Odds Checker, you can compare the odds from major bookmakers, get tips from the experts and place your bets all in one place. Whether it's your Saturday hacker or a first goal scorer hunch, choose our best odds and get brilliant returns. Odds checker, your one-stop betting hub. Download the app now. Play responsibly. So, Dylan, over to you now. I mean, there are loads of golfers we haven't mentioned yet, and kind of the nature of this kind of show means we can't talk about everybody. But who have you circled as being ones of interest at the prices? Yeah, I think I actually had a fair bit of overlap with Niall's picks as well. But um, of the non-overlapping ones, like way like Patrick Green's price. Um, <laughs> I backed him in a few kind of few different markets actually. So that I think the the past champion market is potentially one that he could be interested in. I think he's ninety-two in that. And there's um yeah, I think the, there's a bit of each way value there because it's not that deep of a of a market. Um and in the outright I think he's a good price there as well. Um Colcrack, I was a big fan of him. Um so Senzile obviously, but yeah, I I thought he was a really good price and even Factoring in, you know, the fact that he hasn't, um, you know, had a penalty in for having not played, but um, yeah, I think he's a, a really good price where he is. And then slightly further down, I think I've tipped him at least once or twice before. He's got, uh, <laughs> Eric Van Royen, I think I'm going to stick with yeah. him. Um, I think he's about 150 to one. Uh, 160 best price, but he is he is blue. He's blue on odds checker, so people are backing him. Yeah, yeah, no, I think like I know he's. He's been improving a lot over, particularly, he's kind of been consistently improving over the last two years, two and a half years. Um, he's got kind of a, a skill set that will lend itself to just being successful all over the world and on the PGA Tour. He's really good driver of the ball, um, you know, solid on approach and around the greens and, and a good putter as well. So, um, yeah, I think something like that at those kind of prices, he's he had a good finish at the PGA last year. Um, so, you know, he's... He's able to do it in majors, so I think, yeah, he would be probably the longest price. There's not an awful lot outside of the top, maybe the top 10 in the market that I'm looking at, really. But, yeah, he'd probably be the longest price that I'd look at this week. There's a kind of a collection of names between like 33 to 1 and 66 to 1 of players who, you know, have either gone well here before and have hit some poor form or who are kind of if you spoke to people who maybe don't follow golf so closely, would would have amongst the favourites without realising that things aren't going too well. So just kind of run through them. You've got Webb Simpson's 33 to 1, Tigers 40, Jason Day 40, Matt Wolf 45, Adam Scott 45, Tommy Fleetwood 50 to 1, Louis Eustosen 55 to 1, Ricky Fowler 66s, 
Sergio Garcia, 66s, Justin Rowe, 66s, Jordan Spieth, 66s, Matt Fitzpatrick, 66s. Of those guys, and I'll, you know, both of you just pick up wherever, are there any there that you think could be kind of, I guess, sleepers, guys whose price has been allowed to drift because they're not necessarily in great form, but obviously have the game to, to challenge this weekend? Yeah, I think Matt Fitz would probably be the one for me. Uh, he'd be the only one I'd back out of that group. Um, I think the fact that they're also big prices is probably just a reflection of how how strong maybe the top five or six in the market are. Um, so there's just not really room for them. But I think, yeah, I think Fitz is 66s or, yeah, um, yeah I think at that price, he's in kind of sneaky good form. Um, obviously, he doesn't hit it that long, but he can still get around uh, and his potting has been absolute lights out the last three, four months or so. Um, so if he has a, you know, if he's a really hot week with the potter, then he could definitely compete. But he'd probably be the only one of, of that list that I'd really be interested in, I think. I think we can, you know, glean from Danny Willett and Jordan Spieth and, you know, even about Paddy Reid, that you don't really need to hit, you don't need to hit the ball, you know, miles off the tee here. Uh, it obviously is a long golf course, but as Dylan says, you, you, you can get around it, especially the par fives where, you know, you can make up the score, you know, that you might lose elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of golfers in there at the prices, as you say. And, you know, if you, if you took the approach of backing all of them with the places on offer, I'm sure they'd come out <laughs> level on the week at least, like, you know. But one or two of them will figure on the leaderboard. Of that, there is no doubt, because at, at every Masters Championship, there always is. You know, Oosthuizen could be one of them. He, he went very close at the uh, US Open the last major and uh, he hung around on the final day as well quite impressively just you know Bryson and, and Wolf got away but uh, I wouldn't put really many many people off bagging any of those golfers because at the pre- at, with the place terms on offer because one or two of them will place and you'll end up in positive money for the week well that brings us to an end with a I mean I, I wouldn't take Niall's advice there too literally by backing the whole field each way because we might get a few angry phone calls at the end of the week but but certainly some some cracking place terms on offer so do download the odds checker app and um, and do read Niall's tips as well Bryson DeStrambo certainly the headline for Niall but Dylan maybe pouring a little bit of cold water on that one so I'll leave it up to you guys to decide who made the better case but thank you very much to both Niall and to Dylan for their insight here as I said recommend massively following them both on Twitter I'm sure we'll gain some great insight over the weekend and do have a look at the graphs that Dylan posted yesterday because they are yeah they they certainly for me as a golf fan made me rethink the way I'm approaching this weekend so thank you guys very much and thanks to you all for watching or for listening, do subscribe to our YouTube channel for plenty more of this tipping content across all sports. And most importantly, please do gamble responsibly and please enjoy the Masters. Mm-hmm.